When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence. College sports fans now have access to hundreds of weekly podcasts that zero in on the college sports world. Now available in the Varsity Podcast Network and part of the new Varsity app. The app is free and available from wherever you get your favorite apps. Download the Varsity app today to have access to hundreds of national podcasts as well as your favorite team-focused podcasts. The Varsity Podcast Network, now available for free on the Varsity app. Download from the App Store and listen today. Welcome back on Rice Owls Insider. We have Dunleavy Family Head football coach Mike Bloomgren with us. No surprise there. A season wrap-up and full confession coach. I think it was 2018. I bumped into you like a week or so after that win against Old Dominion. And you're like, hey, that Old Dominion win would have been a fun one to recap. So uh, now we have a uh, a good fun game to recap and talk about the offseason plans. But uh, haven't haven't been too long since i've seen you but how are you doing doing great you know hit the recruiting trail this morning uh was at some schools here in houston at 7 a.m and, and right on down the line so we've been rocking it all morning and, and saw some great prospects and some uh children of alums uh some football alum kids that uh, are really talented so that's a lot of fun in and of itself all right so after watching the film uh, and obviously taking in this uh, the past season, the 12 guaranteed games that you talked about a lot and having some time to decompress from, I know, the emotions of senior day. Uh, what were your thoughts on the year? I know you expressed some in the press about, hey, the, the, the tangible process is happening. It's not as fast as you want it to. But 
How do you and the staff um, look back at this season that was just completed? Yeah, I think I, I go back to talking about the game in particular the other day against Louisiana Tech. And you're down 10 points in the fourth quarter, and it's almost the exact inverse of the Charlotte game that we let slip away, right? Like, So we're sitting there, and you know, in a lot of t- cases with this team, all hope would have been lost. But I think everybody was really in it for our seniors. And I think it's just really cool to see us overcome something like that. For the first time in our time here, and, and thinking back to years before we got here, it seems like it's been a long time since there's been a 10-point deficit overcome, certainly in the fourth quarter. Uh, there was a, a phrase when we got here that the kids still unfortunately know, and that's, you know, everything's going great, and then some rice crap happens. And uh, we didn't let anything like that happen. We kept fighting. We needed to play great in all three phases. Uh, so I thought that was really good to see our team overcome that, to see the defense stand up and get stops, the offense go score, and uh, then the defense get another stop there on the third and one, make them punt, the big special teams punt return, and then we punch it in. And, uh, gosh, that's a lot of fun. But – that's that's the last game talking about the season in totality I think I go back to what I did say at the presser and that's there is tangible progress like it's not happening as fast as I want or as anybody wants but it's happening it is happening and that's the cool thing for me right now is looking back at the season and really the last 15 months to the five games we were able to play in 2020 you know there's I I think the graphic was there's five teams that are the top winning teams in Conference USA in the last five years, and they're Marshall, UAB, La Tech, North Texas, and FIU. And in the last 15 months, we beat three of those and went to overtime with the other. So we're not beating the downtrodden teams in Conference USA, Uh, and we obviously didn't play FIU this year. So three of them we beat in the last 15 months, one of them we took to overtime, So I really think we're right on the cusp. We've got to get more consistent game in and game out and give ourselves the ability to win every game the way that we want to. But I look at this tangible progress, and uh, while it wasn't the the excitement or the level of of wins that I wanted out of this team, I thought they overcame some great adversity, and I think the future is very bright. And one thing I've respected about you, among many, is that you haven't used injuries as an excuse. Uh, depth, obviously, key in developing a program and the progress that, that, that you mentioned we have seen. Um, but Trayshawn Devones doesn't play this season. Obviously, uh, Bradley Rosner gets hurt after the, the first half. Braylon Carroll doesn't play a snap for you. George Nyakwam misses, what, about half the season. But So speak to that, how other guys did step up in those spots, and you saw some progress, but still you were without some of those uh, key big dogs on on the block on both sides of the ball. Yeah, I I think it was probably about week eight of the season. I uh, was going through my desk and getting all the stuff off of it, and I came across the spring folder, and I opened it up, and the first thing was our defensive depth chart coming out of spring ball. And I started looking at who was the starter at each position, and of the 11 positions we projected coming out of spring ball, seven of those dudes were not playing in our week eight game. And, and the bottom line is no matter where you are, nobody wants to have that kind of adversity. You know, there's a next man up mindset. There's a belief that that's how it has to be because college football, you will have injuries. Uh, pro football, you will have injuries. But you look at what happened no further than the New Orleans Saints, right? They lose a historical a quarterback to retirement in Drew Brees and then in steps Jameis Winston and then he goes down, and it's it's almost like their season's over. And, you know, that happens at the quarterback position as well, and we can talk about that particular position later. But as I looked at our defense, I was like, gosh, this is, uh, this is tough. This is tough for these guys to step up. They're trying to do it, and they're trying to learn how to communicate together. 
Um, and I also look at those first three games, JP, and you know I love those challenges. I love playing those games. I love recruiting guys that want to play those challenging games against Arkansas and Houston and Texas. Uh, but we had 13 game injuries, in-game injuries, that caused missed time later in the season, and nine of those came in our first three games. And so it's you think about it, not only do you go in there and uh, not find a way to finish Arkansas and, and have some of those outcomes, but you're also losing guys that you were really counting on. And, uh, you know, certainly that, that makes it tough. But I think in totality, like I look at it like this, like our talent's rising. Like we've recruited incredibly well and we're still developing that talent in the major college football players. That's how I look at it. And this season, I think you saw that we have good Jimmys and Joes. And I think you saw that maybe some of them had to play and certainly play bigger roles than maybe they were ready for at this time. Uh, but the potential's there, the excitement's there with those guys. And I think as those Jimmys and Joes, go through this college offseason and get in the weight room more and, and continue to grow in our program, we'll see those Jimmys and Joes turn into uh, Jameses and Josephs that can dominate this conference. And, and that's what I'm really looking forward to. I think, you know, you talk about the talent. We always talked about knowing we needed to raise the ceiling of this program in terms of talent, but we also needed to raise the floor. And I don't think there's any doubt we've done that. But you look at the Underdog Dynasty article in the preseason and says for the first time in five years, Rice has – a roster that resembles FBS talent. And I don't feel that way. I love the guys on our team and I love that we're fighting, but they rank us 13 and 14, 13 of 14 teams in Conference USA in terms of talent. And it leaves me scratching my head. And I think, well, gosh, that's uh, that's tough. And then I look at who they say is the talented guys on our team, and they're all so young in terms of those recruiting rankings. Uh, so I, I guess I'm still betting on the come uh, when it comes to a lot of those guys. And I start asking myself, like, why is it harder to flip a roster at an academic school and uh, or to, to flip it swiftly, I guess is what I would say. And I think the, the easiest thing to explain is because of the way our school operates, because we value the student athlete experience and getting guys their degree, which we've done at the highest rate, to having a perfect academic progress rate at a thousand in the nation. Uh, we were tops in the nation again this year. So you're not just going to kick kids out of your program if they don't perform to a level or if they were some, they came in under another head coach. So you just don't flip the roster quite as quickly. And you certainly can't bring in 25 junior college kids per year here. Uh, and, and we don't want to live that way, but that's how you get players that are older, faster, and maybe more ready to play in their junior and senior years. But we're starting to get to that point where some of our guys that we have brought in in years past are getting to be juniors and seniors. Uh, certainly juniors, and I'm so excited for them. And uh, I'm excited about the direction of recruiting right now. So I guess, JP, I would just tell you, everything's positive. Those injuries that we had and those guys that had to step in in this past season will turn out to be a blessing as we go forward. You touched on some of this already, already hitting the ground running there around uh, the HTX, but um, also you, you've had it in the staff, have had a, a big focus recruiting nationally and uh, a lot of those recruits that you you cited and again I don't pretend to know the numbers even in the same stratosphere as as you guys do but just on paper your highest rated guys are the freshmen and sophomore how does that lend to the national recruiting pitch but obviously the uh, good connections you've made in the in the state of Texas in your four seasons here absolutely so I think we're crazy as I've said many times before to you JP 
if we go outside the walls of Texas for our whole class, that would just be crazy because the football is too good here and there are too many good rice ties. So we definitely want to be able to, to still recruit this, this state. I think we're doing it at the best level uh, we ever have. If you look at the guys that we've got committed from the Houston area or the Dallas area uh, and their ratings, I mean, those are guys that, that haven't chose rice in the past. So I'm, I'm really excited about those, those guys and getting them here and get their whole class together. But then you talk about going on the road to California or to the Northeast or to Florida or Georgia, and we're in great conversations there. And, and that's the thing that travels is the Rice brand. If a family has academics as one of their biggest decision-making factors, we can always get that home and we can always get the parents. So that, that gives us a chance. And then we get kids on campus and they see this beautiful campus and they see the building and some of the things we're trying to get built uh, for Rice football, and they're excited. And so, again, we, we have a chance to hit some home runs with those. And I, I do think that this class will be filled with high-ranked kids again. And uh, hopefully uh, we won't be playing too many of them in the next season. But, you know, in seasons to come, they're going to be great parts of what we do in this program. The last year and a half have been wild for everybody inside at college athletics and just life in general, obviously. And with that comes the different classification of student-athletes across the different sports. I've talked about this with other Rice student-athletes, but we had 26 seniors recognized in that last game against Louisiana Tech. Uh, I understand you can't give a firm answer right now, but do you have a gauge about what percentage, and we've seen some already hit the portal, of course, about what percentage could be coming back, and I guess the overarching feeling would be, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just because they took part in senior day, doesn't mean they've taken their last snap on on South Main. How, how do you go? Yeah. No, JP, that's 100% accurate. We had guys that, that told me, Coach, I'm coming back. I just want to walk with my class. These are the guys I came in with. We've worked hard to get to this point in our degree. Uh, I want to work with them, or I want to walk with them, and I want my parents to be out there, and I want to be in the picture. And I was like, man, I get it. That's awesome. Go ahead and do that. Uh, but, again, those conversations have taken place some prior to uh, last week, but most of them were Sunday and, and Monday of this week. And, a chance to really hear those kids talk. And that is the coolest thing to me is the number of them that want to come back and are like, Hey, we've got stuff. We've got unfinished business here. I love my coaches. I love these players in the locker room with me. This is where I want to play. And then there are uh, different conversations, right? There's somewhere uh, we encourage somebody else to go play at a different level of football and get another opportunity uh, to play this game if that's what they want to do. And we encourage them to do that. So, so there's certainly two sides to it. I, I guess I think back to senior day and the uh, the thing for me is those super seniors and, and how much we're going to miss those guys. And, and I remember talking to you and I was like, we've got five of these guys coming back. There were seven possibilities that we wanted back last year, right? We ended up losing Blaze Aldridge to, to Missouri to go play in the SEC. And we lost Austin Trammell to the NFL, which, you know, we all know that happens. When you're ready for the league, you go to the league. But getting those five guys back, was priceless. And I think about the football that Naeem and Elijah and Javon played for us this year, and that meant everything. You know, George being injured hurt us, as you already mentioned. But those guys, uh, I was so fired up to get those five back, and I was like, they're going to change everything. What I had no idea about is teams in our conference would bring back not only five super seniors, but more than triple that amount of super seniors, of grown men, if you will, that are 24 years old and playing college football. And uh, so as happy as I was to have those five back, uh, I think it's going to be an interesting dynamic in college football to see where it goes for the next three or four seasons as people continue to get extra years of eligibility back. And some of them pressing to seventh years with whether a medical and an actual red shirt, 
So we're going to see college football continue to be older. And uh, luckily, we've got a good core group that wants to come back and get older with us. You've already mentioned some hitting the uh, recruiting trail with the transfer portal. And I believe, what, 10, 11 commitments you have uh, so far. And there's the, the need to get back down to 85 scholarships. Any, any way and with that extra recruiting class you've had, I guess really your first one here, I believe, was the first year they started doing the uh, December signing class. But do you have any idea right now how big uh, a class you anticipate signing? You know, from a high school level, we would think that we're going to sign somewhere around, around what you said, around 11 in December is what we're targeting. Now, with the transfers, um, you know, that's going to be a different story. You know, there's going to be a number of those guys that end up coming in, and uh, some of them will start with our program in January like we've done in the past. And whether you're talking about graduate transfers, if they're done at their institution in the transfer portal, or, you know, a, a couple, a, a smattering of junior college guys that we've got the opportunity to recruit because they have the academics necessary for Rice. Did you see the highlight this year that UAB win – uh, and coupled with the Marshall win last year, you mentioned some of this already, but um, they've shown the potential of the team that, that you could be uh, down the road. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt. I think, you know, you beat the number 15 team in the nation in Marshall, uh, and then for us to beat UAB, who, again, conference championship game three years in a row, I believe, and hadn't lost at home, and us being able to go in their house in Birmingham and find a way to pull that win out, and, uh, yeah, so I think those things are, are things that our kids can point to. And then whether it's back-to-back overtime games, being able to overcome deficits to get to those, and certainly the end-of-the-year game against La Tech, finding a way to come back in the fourth quarter. There's a lot of positive steps made, uh, a lot of tangible positive steps made. Uh, just, again, we'll continue to pound that rock and, and see what we can get to break and uh, do everything we can to get this program back into a bowl game next year. And on the quarterback front, you mentioned earlier us touching on it. Um, with what T.J. McMahon did, uh, I'd, I'd imagine he would warrant some, uh, some looking at in the offseason, in the spring. Obviously, hopefully, Wiley, uh, Wiley Green gets back and get Luke McCaffrey a full offseason. Uh, h- how do you judge that quarterback race? And I'm sure adding some guys, too, uh, going into spring ball. That'll be here before we know it. Yeah, we have a commitment from, from a quarterback who will be with us joining us in the summer, a high school kid. And uh, then there's always the possibility of bringing in the right, uh, whether it's a junior college kid or a grad transfer. But, you know, having our quarterback room and having those guys committed to come back, which is a big deal, right? They all had opportunities to go other places. Uh, I don't know exactly how that thing will go. And what I promised them all is an opportunity to compete. And what we're going to try to do is get one quarterback that is our starter and keep his butt healthy. Uh, you know, that's, that's really the challenge is, is to get those guys. And, again, they're not getting beat up in the pocket we're doing a pretty good job protecting them from that standpoint, but just some unfortunate things happen to that position, you know, whether it's uh, headaches or whether it's getting somebody out of the pocket, landing on your ankle, just things that are part of the game, I guess, but they're, they're certainly unfortunate. We'd love to get to the point where we have one quarterback going forward and certainly backups that we trust to come in the game if need be. And finally, last but certainly not least, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about the, uh, the wild coaching changes have affected your preseason schedule coming next year uh with the big news about Lincoln Riley you'll be going against him in his uh first game there at USC and your obvious Pac-12 ties but then Billy Napier goes from Louisiana to Florida so um first a wild transition of days here since we last talked how things have changed and affected your schedule but also 
uh, just seems like the nature of uh, college football now that uh, indirectly affects us too, doesn't it? Gosh, what wild times. Like, you know, I got home last night and Laura told me about somebody, uh, some more movement that happened in college football yesterday. And then we get done eating dinner and, you know, you get an alert on your Apple watch that Brian Kelly's going to LSU. And I thought my watch must be broken. Like, I, I don't I don't really see that fitting or, or the why to it. But uh, it is. It's crazy times. Lincoln going out to USC. Uh, that's exciting. That's exciting for their program. It's going to be exciting for our program to get to go play in the Coliseum. What a great venue for football and against a, a team with that much uh, historical success. And now with a new birth with Lincoln coming in there. I can only imagine uh, every USC fan in the world will try to put their butts in the seats for that game. So that will be a lot of fun. Obviously, I know their defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch, as well, and he'll present a lot of challenges. And uh, obviously, Lincoln calling the game the way that he does in the air raid will present challenges as well. But I, I guess that's the thing. Like right now, I'm almost like fanboy when I'm seeing those things on, on Twitter and such and, and just in amazement of how all the shuffling is going on. Uh, but my real focus right now, JP, is just like I'm trying to evaluate everything in our program. And whether that's from an off-season standpoint to how to look at everything with a critical eye. And the next few weeks on the road, what's beautiful for me is whether I'm on planes, trains, or automobiles, I'll have my computer. And I'll have the ability to watch every single play uh, that we, we had this year on offense, on defense, and special teams. And we'll figure out how to make some improvements. And that's the big thing is to take steps going forward and just realizing that, that although I have things I'm comfortable with, I've got great coordinators. And we can't be welded to a singular, singular philosophy. Uh, I want to stay true to who we are and, and our beliefs and how we're going to win. But I certainly don't want to just do something because it's the way we've always done it. And we've got some plans to go visit some great staffs this offseason on, on all phases of the ball to get better and to make sure we're staying current and up to date. And uh, that, that's what, you know, I'm really having my focus on. I'll catch those things on Twitter, but that's what I'm trying to focus on. And, um, you know, it's interesting, some of the things you said, I'm just processing it right now. But you talk about, like, the growth of this team, and I, I think it's worth talking about it in all phases. You know, I think the growth of our offense this year, scoring over 20 points a game, in each of the last six contests. And, you know, I think we scored 48 against Texas Southern and we scored 35 against La Tech in a conference game. Those are great things, and I'm proud of that growth offensively. I think Tui's done a, an excellent job of injecting new ideas and confidence into that unit. I think the, you see you can't watch one of our games without seeing us line up and empty more and to see the play-action passes out of the exact same formations that the runs were coming out of for the big shots down the field. And the way he's implemented our tight ends, I think, has just been incredible. Uh, so, again, I think his creativity and, and what Coach Tui's done and, you know, certainly hearing from other head coaches and other defensive coordinators about how hard it is to prepare for, that makes me happy. But I still think there's things we can grow at, and that's what we'll look to do. And uh, you talked about the quarterback. You know, having a consistent presence at quarterback, I think, could have helped us take even even bigger step offensively and uh, given – Tui a little more continuity to do what he really wants there. So, again, hoping for more growth going forward at offense and defensively. Um, I'm really interested to watch this film because as I sit here, like, my thought is, like, wow, you know, with seven of your 11 projected starters missing, life's hard. Life's hard over there. And uh, we had guys that, that had to grow up. But the bottom line is those injuries trickle down, too, to special teams. And so not only do you not have your defensive starter, now you have a new peg there. And his special team's role or the hole in the dam, if you will, has got to be plugged by somebody else. 
And so uh, having that knowledge and that understanding that, that those guys weren't intact, and, and we certainly hope we'll never go through anything like that injury-wise again, uh, but we still got to make tweaks and we still got to evaluate everything. So I, I think understanding that those things have to be done, uh, that's what I'll gain from watching the film. And, and I'm really excited for that exercise. And so doing everything we can to make sure our offense is taking another step forward and getting our defense and specialties back to the 2020 levels as we strive to have consistency really in all areas. Hey, Coach, thanks for the time today. I know I speak for Nate. Thanks for the insight you give us and how candid you are, you and the staff with the broadcast. And like I told you last year, and it's always true, next year will be here before we know it. And uh, have, a, have a great one, okay? appreciate you. You too, JP. Happy holidays. The true teammate takes on every day with a winner's attitude, gets up when they fall down, and leaves it all on the field. There's a group of teammates who do all these things every single day. But they're more than your typical athlete. They're kids dealing with life-altering diagnoses. Team Impact pairs these kids with college athletic teams as part of a two-year program, getting them off the sideline and into the game. The collegiate student-athletes gain a new teammate, a new friend, and a new perspective. For more information, visit teamimpact.org. Team Impact, all in. In all together. Welcome back on Rice Owls Insider here with Director of Athletics, Dr. Joe Carlgaard. A good day to you, sir. How are you? I'm doing very well. How are you, JP? I can't complain. Busy, busy time of year for everybody with the uh, in between these holiday seasons and, of course, with the uh, recent end to the uh, football season. <clears throat> Excuse me. Wanted to get a wrap up from your perspective on that. Now that a few days have uh, gone by. How did you evaluate things and uh, your thoughts on the great win against Louisiana Tech, but the season on a whole as well? Yeah, I mean, what an exciting game on uh, on Saturday. Um, you know, I think uh, Mike may have referenced this in in uh, in your talk with him, but you know, I for us to be able to come back from that deficit, I think, uh, is something that we we've struggled to do over the last several years. And so uh, it was nice to see that nice to see that for our seniors and particularly the super seniors who, um, you know, decided to come back and, and try to help us make some progress this year. So really excited about that. You know, obviously um, not getting to a bowl game, uh, which was our goal this year uh, is disappointing. Um, but on the other hand, I'm, I'm proud of the fight that they showed. I, I'm proud of uh, the fact that we did make some progress, uh, got to four wins, most since 2015, um, but also realized that it's not where we want to be. And so, you know, we're working hard. Coach Bloom and his staff are working hard and, and I'm working hard with him uh, to make sure that we push uh, push that rock up the hill and and uh, and get us over the hump so that we can get back to uh to the team that that uh, our fans and and our uh, our players and all those who support Rice Athletics expect, and that's a that's a bowl team. Louisiana Tech win, the UAB win. Was that more of what you thought uh, the team could be this season? You mentioned they didn't meet the expectations, but we did see it kind of like the Marshall win last year of what, when all put together, uh, this team could be. Yeah, we've uh, we've struggled to be consistent, and I think the the consistency part of it. There are many explanations for it. You know, some of it's the uh, some of the the bumps and bruises that we've had that have kept uh, older guys out of the lineup. Some of it's the youth that we see, um, but I do think there's there's some tangible evidence there that really gets me excited. I mean, you know, to see wins over Marshall and, and UAB in the last twelve months. 
uh, two teams that really have been at the top of the conference over the last five years or so, that's that's pretty significant. And, and um, I think there's something to build on there. And, uh, you know, the, the, the quest for, for Coach Bloom and his staff will be how do we take those wins, learn from them, and, uh, and ensure that we can perform consistently at that level throughout the course of a season. It's hard to do. Winning college football games is hard, um, but that's the task at hand. And so, you know, I think there's so much excitement around uh, those big wins. We've got to find a way to build on that. Injuries are part of the game, and other coaches, other programs deal with it as well. But when you look at, I mean, I guess the quarterback position really sum that up the best. How do you, is it is it tough to figure in when you say, oh my gosh, if we just had this position here or this position there, what, what could have been, but on the other side of the coin, uh, that is part of a violent game, as Coach has, has mentioned a lot too. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there's a couple different ways to look at injuries. Um, you know, one thing that, that you always have to consider if you're an athletics director or sports medicine staff or football coach is what, what are the injuries that are out there that we can prevent? Uh, you know, some of the soft tissue things that you typically see, um, you know, can be prevented with better hydration, better nutrition, um, you know, more uh, flexibility training, uh, you know, those sorts of things. Um, you have the types of injuries that result in, uh, you know, in, in uh, torn ACLs or, or um, you know, uh, shoulder dislocations that happen in games. Um, those are hard to prevent. Uh, you've got other things that happen in practice, and that may cause you to look at the way you practice and to see if, if you're practicing effectively. But, you know, as I look at the injury situation this year, um, you know, most of our injuries happen in games. Um, you know, th- those are ones that are, are tough for us to prevent. Uh, and so uh, we just didn't have a lot of luck go our way. Um, the quarterback position, you know, having a, a consistent signal caller, I think, is an important element to being a successful team and to performing consistently, certainly on the offensive side. You know, and on the defensive side, when I think about the progress that we've made, um, you know, in the first three seasons, uh, we went from, in, in year one, giving up 36 points a game to in year two, giving up just under 26 points a game to year three, the short season last year to giving up, you know, just under 19 points a game and then back to 36 points a game this year. It's not as though our kids forgot how to play defense or our coaches forgot how to coach it, but we had so many injuries on the defensive side of the ball, it was tough for us to find consistent performance there. So you know, we need to get healthier. We need to take a critical look at, at how we keep our kids, uh, our players healthy um, to ensure that we give ourselves the best chance that we can to be successful. So the big story across college athletics these last few days as we record this have been the uh, big coaching changes, and that affects two of our four non-conference opponents coming up, and then a third, Sonny Cumbie just at, uh, announced at Louisiana Tech. So um, what, what do you make of the, the shakeup across the, the Blue Bloods that trickles down throughout all of, of college football and affects uh, some of our schedule for 22? You know, it's I think uh, one of the things since I sit in this chair as, as an athletics director, one thing that I've become um, really sensitive to is, um, you know, is, is looking at some of these decisions that are being made and, and with a full understanding that I don't know all of the elements at play. Um, and, you know, I think because, uh, 
because I'm an athletics director, I probably have more empathy with some of the ADs out there that are making uh, decisions either to change coaches uh, or to extend coaches at, you know, very lengthy contracts for large sums of money, understanding that while on the surface, it might not make a lot of sense, you know, as you dig deeper and sit in their seat and, and try and put yourself in their shoes, so to speak, uh, they're usually really, really good reasons that they're making the decisions that they are. Um, you know, there are a couple things that I'm seeing that I think are, 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 um, are curious. Uh, one is, you know, these contracts, you know, it used to be five years was kind of a standard contract length. Then, you know, you saw some six-year contracts. Now you're seeing multiple 10-year contracts, uh, which I find interesting. Um, you know, you're seeing um, coaches who have been wildly successful uh, being let go after one season. You know, and again, you don't know all that goes into that, but um, it is uh, it isn't the way that it used to be. I mean, it used to be, um, you know, I think with without social media, without, um, you know, some of the, the uh, communication devices, so to speak, that that fans and, and donors and players and parents and, you know, everybody who's invested in college football has at their disposal. There's just much more chatter going on. And I think that affects the way uh, athletic directors and, and schools approach these things. Um, you know, for us, it's it's exciting to uh, to think that we'll open at USC next year. And, you know, USC is a blue blood program. And it's it's uh, I hope that that uh, that their hire of Lincoln Riley uh, gets them back. You know, even as a Stanford grad, I do hope that it gets them back to, you know, to what they aspire to, which is national championships. So um, it'll be an exciting season. It'll be different than probably the one we expected. You know, Louisiana will have a different coach. La Tech has a different coach. Um, but we'll prepare accordingly, and um, you know those will make those ex- those challenges exciting for us. And and finally, there have been a, a lot of excitement, of course, about uh, your recent announcement uh, renovations at Rice Stadium with the uh, Be Bold campaign, uh, capital ca- campaign announced during Homecoming Week. And uh, now that the season has ended, any other further details uh, you can share? It's got a lot of people excited, of course. Sure, uh, we're. Uh, a few weeks away, I hope, from uh, beginning pre-design on kind of comprehensive renovations to the stadium. Uh, pre-design process will take a couple of months. Uh, you know, we kind of go through all the different things that we might want to do. We figure out what those things might cost. You know, we look at the engineering of it, um, you know, to see if there are any unknown or hidden costs associated with what we want to do. Uh, and then, you know, we, we get some really nice renderings and we're able to go out uh, and, and try to raise some money for it. The university has, has been very supportive of this. Um, and I'm excited about that. But I'm also excited about the things that we're going to do uh, before next season. Uh, we have some funds at our disposal that will help us uh, make what I think will be some significant changes to the stadium between now and the start of next season that will be uh, fan facing. Um, I think it'll improve the stadium aesthetics. I think it'll improve the functionality of the stadium. Uh, and I'm excited. I can't share all the details yet because, um, you know, we still have to, to go through a process uh, to, to determine exactly what we're able to do in the next nine months or so. Um, but I, I am confident in saying that as you know, fans walk into the stadium next September, that they'll notice significant changes and um, you know, I hope that just continues the momentum that I feel like we've got with our program, not just with how we're recruiting and, you know, some of the games that we've been able to win, 
Um, but with where this, this program is headed into the American and with some stadium renovations, I think it's an exciting time to be part of Rice football. Thank you, Joe. In this season of thanks, I'm grateful for you, all the insight and all your, uh, your candid nature with us. And uh, happy holidays. We'll be talking to you soon, okay? Sounds good, JP. I appreciate you as well.